Well, good morning, everyone. Um, as we get started this morning, I want you to take a minute and just consider what you might do if you really wanted to make sure a message you're communicating being heard by the person you're spoken to, okay? You have a really important message. What would you do to make sure they heard it? You would probably use your voice to communicate your, your, your passion. You might use hand gestures or body language to, to echo that message. You might find examples uh, that you can look to or illustrations to draw comparisons. You would go to whatever links you could to make sure they got the message, right? Let me give you an example. Where's Maggie? Maggie Jacobs. Come here, sweet thing. So, Maggie, uh, you and I are going to have a conversation. So, let's sit right here. We're going to ignore all those people out there, okay? Look at me in the eyes. All right, so we had a conversation recently about the fact that you are finishing up your senior year, right? So, the big bad world out there is a little intimidating. And it's a little bit unsettling to know, okay, what does the Lord have in mind? So I want you to think about this summer and the backpacking trip. And do you remember the first day? Nightmare, <laughs> right? It was a total nightmare. It was the day that would never end. We all thought at one point or another, I can't do this. I got to quit. I mean, at least camp here. We just could not figure out. Even... Me, who was a little bit more experienced than some, was thinking, these guides have no idea what they're doing. They're leading us into disaster. And, and I questioned whether they really knew where we were going. But we just had to stay the course. And as it turns out, they were right, right? We, we found a place. It was a beautiful place. And I want you to think about what we experienced after that day and what we would have missed out on if we would have quit, if we would have just said, I can't do this. I'm not going to go any farther. I mean, do you remember when we climbed to that peak and it felt like we were on top of the world? I mean, it was awesome. I mean, just think about having missed the beauty of that because of the hardness of that first day. Okay, you're fixing to go on a journey and it's going to be hard because there are times that you're going to want to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And there'll be times that you'll question Jesus as your guide. Does he really know what he's doing? Because this doesn't look like we're going anywhere, right? But if you'll stay the course, you will experience some of the most beautiful views of his faithfulness that you could never imagine. So stay the course. You're going to be all right. Okay? All right. All right. That's what I believe Paul is doing with Timothy. If he could, he'd be reaching through the pages of this letter cupping that beloved son's face in his hands and says, are you listening to me? Don't miss this. This is so very important. Just think about some of the words that he used. My beloved son, I long to be with you. Be unashamed of the gospel. Stand firm in your faith. Guard the treasure. Retain the standard. There's passion in these words. He used examples, didn't he? Last week we talked about where he said, don't be like Phygelus who abandoned the faith. It's a bad example. Instead, be like Onesiphorus, who literally risked his life to comfort me and to be faithful to the gospel. That's the example I want you to follow. And then this morning, he's going to continue his efforts to communicate the message by using illustrations. He's going to say, it's like a soldier 
or it's like a farmer, or, or it's like an athlete. It's as if he's doing everything he can to make sure, Timothy, don't miss the message. Don't miss the point. And I'm going to give you a little, uh, a little uh, help on this. I'm going to tell you what his point is. The point that he wants Timothy to understand is this. Are you listening? Semper Fidelis. Semper Fidelis. Anybody know what that means? Always faithful. It's Latin. Always faithful. Now, some of you may recognize it as the motto for the Marine Corps. Semper Fi is how they shorten it. It's the same thing. It's the Latin word that says always faithful. But I want you to hear me say but long, that long before there was ever a Marine Corps, this was the motto of the Christian faith. This is the message that Paul is working so desperately to make sure Timothy understands. Timothy, my beloved son, don't miss this. Always faithful. Semper Fidelis. Faithful to the gospel, not only in what you say, but in how you live. Faithful to retain the standard of God's word. Faithful to guard the treasure of the gospel. That, that salvation through faith in Christ alone. Be unashamed of what you believe. Be transformed by the power of the Spirit. You have a holy calling, a divine purpose. You live in accordance with eternal grace. When we think about the Marine Corps, all of us would agree that these are some committed men and women, right? They're devoted to their mission. Paul is making the point, so should we. They are trained for battle. They are prepared for everything that they're going to face. And so are we. Paul is saying that we are called to that same loyalty, that same commitment, semper fidelis, always faithful. And that's what he's going to continue with Timothy this morning. Before we look at that together, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the clarity with which you speak through your people. Paul has been so diligent to, to use every strategy possible to make sure that his message is being heard. And not only is that true for the recipient of his letter, Timothy and the Ephesian church and the churches in that area, but it's equally true for us today. You want us to be just as clear in that message that Paul is communicating so that we can grab hold and to be faithful as Timothy is being called to do as well. So, Father, guide our time. Direct us. Lead the way. We're going to follow you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll pick up where we left off last. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul writes and says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Essentially what Paul is telling, telling Timothy here is be faithful in discipleship. Christians are called to be faithful in discipleship. He says, entrust to faithful men who are able to teach others. That's discipleship. I recently began a meeting with a group of young men, and the, the, the goal is very simple, to help them be grounded in the core doctrines of the faith, 
so that they would stand firm in their faith and continue to live a life of faith that would influence and lead within the body of Christ, whether that's here or someone else. It's discipleship. It's the call of the church. It's what we're designed to do. But notice before he gets to that purpose, look at what get, again what he says in verse, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, that's a very important qualifier that he just gave to Timothy. Otherwise, what you hear is this. Timothy, my son, whatever you do, don't mess this up. Because let me be honest with you, it's all on you. Their eternal destiny is in your hands. Your faithfulness will determine the integrity of the Christian faith moving forward. So don't mess this up. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? And he didn't say that because that's not true. We are strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's the qualifier. We don't rely on our perfection. We trust in God's faithful provision. He will equip us for whatever he has called us to do. Their eternal destiny is not in Timothy's hands. It's in God's hands. That's the message we proclaim, right? His perfection covers our imperfection. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's the message of the gospel. You see, I want you to hear this very clearly. Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good. Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good. Because if that's true, then we have the potential of somehow rehabilitating ourselves, or at least adding to his efforts in some way to tip the scales of justice in our favor. And so that we can earn that standing before God by contributing to our sanctification, to our salvation. But Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good. That's not biblical. What is biblical? Jesus Christ came to make dead people alive. That's what it says. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And dead people don't move. Dead people don't move. He has to move first. And he did. He made us alive together with Christ. Jesus Christ came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owe a debt we could not pay. That's the gospel. This is a story about what he accomplished, not about what we do. We are saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God not as a result of works, and none of us can boast because of that fact. We are saved by grace, but don't miss this. We continue to live by grace. We never grow out of grace. We never exhaust its supply. We are just as dependent upon it today as the day we committed our life to following Christ. We are strong only because of the grace of Jesus Christ. We walk by faith through grace. when it comes to discipleship, what we've just talked about is a game changer. When it comes to discipleship, this is a game changer. Because I'm not bragging about what I did. I'm not giving you the history of my faithfulness. In fact, our discipleship group started with life stories. And I began last week, didn't I, Adam? And it was very clear, wasn't it, that I have a lot of flaws. 
that there are things that I have fallen short of. But this is not a story about what Todd has done. My life story is about what Christ has done in Todd. What he is accomplishing, in many cases, despite me. It is his work through me, according to his grace in me. And you know what? My story's not any different than anybody else's following Christ. In fact, it's not any different than the story that Paul told. His story is a story of salvation by faith through grace. And all these witnesses, Paul and the other apostles and me and you and all these witnesses, they help validate the truth. Why? Because we're all telling the same story. Salvation by grace through faith as a gift, not as a result of works. That's our story. It reminds me of that passage in Hebrews. It says, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And when you hear that passage, I want you to think about that cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us, that is watching us, who are those people? I believe those people are the people listed in the chapter before, chapter 11, the hall of faith, right? By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. But as you hear that list, is that a list of perfect people who always did everything right? And they had their flaws, right? Noah was prone to drink too much. Moses killed a man. Abraham had a child with his maidservant. These were not perfect people, but you know what they do have in common? They all experienced the reality of God's grace. They all understood what it means to put their trust in him and find that he is faithful even when we are not. You see, the whole point is that the evidence of their faith is intended to encourage us to be faithful as well. I think Paul is trying to communicate a similar point to Timothy. Timothy, continue that legacy of faith. Paul wants Timothy to be intentional. Don't take the gospel and the, the life of a Christian, don't take it for granted. Don't leave it to chance. He says, look for faithful men who are able to teach. Look, be intentional, seek them out. Now, we've already established that faithful doesn't mean perfect, right? Look for faithful men. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be faithful? Well, I think at a core level, what it means is to be teachable. Faithful means to be teachable. It's an ongoing desire to grow in your faith, to teach out of the overflow of your own walk with Christ, out of the experience of following Him. It's a reliable witness through faithful obedience. Not perfect, but someone who is being perfected because of their submission to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Someone who's transformed by the truth of God's Word. To be faithful is to be trustworthy so that who you are is consistent with how you live in all settings so that you're not one person in one setting, like here on Sunday morning, 
And then when Monday comes around, it all looks different. That's not faithful. Faithful men who are able to teach. Now, the elders took that, um, that phrase, able to teach, recently in one of our meetings, and we wanted to unpack, as we were going through the biblical eldership series, what does that mean, to be able to teach? I won't give you all the details, but let me suffice it to say what we agreed was being able to teach doesn't mean that someone has to be able to stand up here behind this pulpit and do what I do every Sunday. That's not what that means. Instead, what it does mean is someone who is rightly able to handle God's word and apply it to life for themselves and as they give guidance to others. Somebody who's grounded in God's truth, that that's where they go to look for the answers in life's difficulties. Faithful to communicate sound doctrine. Someone whose heart, whose message is always centered on Christ. Now, if, if we put all that together, what, what Paul is in, encouraging Timothy to do is to, to join together with other followers of Christ. People who are filled by the Spirit, who are growing in their faith, who are trying to seek to grow stronger in the grace of God that guides them. Where do you find people like that? What is he describing? He's describing us. That's the church. He's saying to Timothy, as the leader of this church, guide that body of believers to be faithful in discipleship because that's what Christians are called to do. Be faithful in discipleship because that's what Christians are called to do. Discipleship is a shared responsibility within the body of Christ. It's not my job. It's our job. That's what we do as followers of Christ. Now look at how he continues in verse 3. He says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who listed him as a soldier. Christians are called to be faithful in suffering. And the reality is, a life of discipleship often in, in, involves suffering. It's no accident that those two are put juxtaposed to each other. Because one inevitably leads you down towards the other. It's hard. Here's where Paul brings that illustration in to help make his point. Suffer hardship like a soldier. Now, now let's think about what that means. This is a topic that I enjoy reading about. I love stories of the battlefield uh, soldiers who have uh, survived great odds or been through difficulties. And one of the ones that I read recently was a book called Fearless. I've mentioned it to you before. Uh, really enjoyed that book. And, and here is a quote from the, the, the main uh, subject of that book uh, as a soldier. He was a part of a, a Navy SEAL team. And, and this is his perspective on life. Okay, listen to this. It says, life is not a journey to the grave with the intentions of arriving safely in a pretty and preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. <laughs> That's the perspective of a soldier who's trained for battle, who's committed to the mission, who's always on active duty. That's the mindset that Paul has in mind for Timothy, someone who isn't looking for the easy road, who embraces the challenge of being faithful to Christ in a sin-cursed world. Someone like Dick Courtney, someone who hit the tape running 
who literally weeks before he came and met the Lord face to face, you know what he was doing? Discipleship. But here's the reality. We're all called to the same thing. Mrs. Courtney would tell you, and if Dick Courtney was here this morning, he would tell you the same thing. Do not put him on a pedestal. Follow his example. Because that's what we are all called to do. As Paul said back in chapter 1, join me in suffering for the gospel. This is what we do. It's interesting that Paul and the rest of the New Testament, for that matter, looks at suffering as an expected reality of the Christian life. Just look hard. You're going to find it. Paul and the rest of the New Testament looks at suffering as an expected reality of the Christian faith. See, it's not the presence of suffering that should be questioned. It's the absence of suffering. Even Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. That's a divine promise, okay? So we know it's true. It's from God. So why would we might try to make him out to be a liar by living a trouble-free life as if what he just said isn't true? It's an expected reality within the Christian faith to live faithfully for Christ in a sin-cursed world. The scripture is clear. It won't be easy. And if it is, we're probably not as faithful as we think we are. A path of comfort is often a sign of compromise. It often reflects a mindset that faith applies in certain situations but not in others. We can be faithful here. That's what we do but not so much when we enter the workplace or we hang out with our friends or when we even go home. But notice in verse 4 that Paul counters that idea. He says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of the world. In other words, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are on active duty. You're always in active service. So don't get entangled with the affairs of, of everyday life. Don't set your faith aside. Part of being faithful is being alert, is being on guard, to being in active duty. It's important for us to understand because here's my opinion. I think our enemy is much like a sniper. Our enemy is much like a sniper. He's just waiting for you and I to wander off into the world unprotected. Setting our faith aside in order to join the crowd. We forget that we're in the battle and choose instead to join the party. And when that happens, he puts his crosshairs right on us because now we're exposed. As a soldier, we're called to a single-minded devotion to Jesus Christ. He's our commanding officer. May we not forget that we live in enemy territory. This world, not our home. We are in enemy territory. The devil prowls around, the scripture tells us, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And who do you think he's going to go after? The one who has their guard down, the one who's exposed, the one who's set their faith aside in order to join the crowd. Because when we drop our guard and get entangled in the ways of the world, now we're on his turf. And his deadly attacks intend to destroy our life. He attacks 
at our marriage. He attacks at our family. He attacks at our faith. He wants us to doubt, to be discouraged. Ultimately, you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to surrender. He wants us to quit fighting. He wants us to give up and just go along. That's ultimately what he wants us to do. He can't take our salvation away from us. He knows that. He just wants you to disqualify yourself so you quit trying, so you quit following Christ, that you just fit in with what's going on in the world. You see, as a soldier, we're called to a single-minded devotion to Jesus Christ. We follow him faithfully in obedience, even in hard places. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we fight for our marriages. We don't quit. We fight for our families. We don't quit. We fight for our faith. We stand strong in what we believe because that's what we're called to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. We stand strong when we stand together. Now, I want you to think about this. If you think about all the military operations that, that are spoken of, that books are written about, you'll notice that they never send anybody in alone. It's always a team, right? SEAL Team 6. And those guys that are, and, and women that are together, they have a purpose, they're on a mission, and nobody goes alone. They're watching each other's back. They're covering for one another. They're putting their life at risk for the other one. And that's ultimately, as a soldier for Christ, what we are called to do. Don't get entangled in the affairs of the world, but please be deeply committed to the community of the fellowship of the saints in this church. Be deeply connected with one another. This is our team. We're like special forces. We're going into some dark places to help give a message of being rescued by faith in Christ. And you can't do that alone. We've got to stand together because we have a shared commitment. We have a common mission. We're suffering together for the faith of the gospel, living faithfully for Christ in a sin-cursed world. And that's not easy. Let's just accept that fact. It's not easy. Now look at verse 5. And also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul finished with two examples, and they really have one thing in common. Both the athlete and the farmer have to be faithful in self-discipline. It's part of what they do. They can't be successful in either of those things without it. Let's start with the farmer because that's very familiar to us in West Texas. And here's what we know. Farming is not for the faint of heart, right? It's early mornings, it's late nights, and it's a never-ending job. You're plowing, planting, weeding, reaping, plowing, planting, reading, reaping, over and over again. It's what you do. And within that, there's all kinds of, of frustrations. There's disease, there's pests, equipment breaks down. It's part of it. You just accept that reality. And you ultimately have to have a great deal of patience, and here's why. You are completely dependent upon the very thing you cannot control, the weather, right? And so as a farmer, you have to be disciplined. You reap what you sow, literally. You get out what you put in. And if you don't work hard, you will not have a harvest. A farmer has to be disciplined. The same is true for the athlete. Paul says he has to compete according to the rules. What's interesting about that statement is during that time, they actually had Olympic Games. 
But part of the Olympic Games that they had was a requirement that to be able to compete in the Olympic Games, you had to train for a 10-month period of time to determine whether you were worthy or not. So in other words, you couldn't just sign up to compete and then train at your own schedule. Training was a part of the qualifications for competing. And since that's the case, you wanted to be self-disciplined so that you weren't training for nothing, that you were putting in an effort with an intent to compete. That's Paul's point. We don't want to train for nothing. We need to have a a single-minded devotion. As a a Christian, we need the very same mindset. The Scripture says, put away selfish desires. Jesus said, take up your cross, follow me. The devotion and discipline that's needed is important, including being able to, to set aside personal ambition as secondary to God's calling. So if that means that you live a successful career in an important industry to be involved in a work of ministry, then you do it because that's where Christ is leading you and that's where you want to go. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Christ's sake will ultimately find who he is ultimately created to be. You find what you were created for. In verse 7, Paul tells Timothy, listen to what I'm saying. Consider, and, and the Lord will give your understanding. I think in some ways what Paul is doing is he's saying, Timothy, look beyond the metaphors. Realize that as a soldier for Christ, he's already won the victory. Realize that as a farmer, you serve the Lord of the harvest. As an athlete, press on towards the goal for the prize that was ultimately accomplished by Christ. That's what we are to be about. Look beyond the metaphor to see the victory that's already been won. It's like he tells the Corinthians when he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Simplify days. Always faithful in in discipleship, in suffering, in discipline for the cause of Christ. Now, I've mentioned to you before that there's a group of men that I get together with every year. This last weekend was the weekend that we got together, and uh, so I had an opportunity to, to spend time with them. We've been doing this for several years, and our commitment is simple. We want to hit the tape running. We want to be another Dick Courtney. We want to be able to be faithful to the very end, and that relationship that we have with each other is important to staying strong in that task. Some of you know uh, one of the members of our team, David Allison. He's the CEO at uh, UMC. We used to work for David. He's a member of this group, and, and uh, we have uh, been through some hard things. When we first started meeting together, he was on the beginnings of uh, working through a divorce. A tragic situation um, and heartbreaking, to say the least. And one of the things that was hard for David is that his kids were in Colorado, and here he was working in Lubbock. And so how did he stay connected with his kids and his family in the midst of this divorce? And I told David after he told his story to us this year about what God is doing in his life, I said, David, thank you. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for not jumping ship because you could abandon this deal all along because we were holding his feet to the fire. David Allison was making a trip to Colorado Springs every single weekend just to stay connected with his kids. And it was hard because he would come back and he'd say, I don't think it matters. I don't think they care. 
They don't, I don't see anything from them. And we said, David, just be faithful. Just be faithful. It's the right thing to do. Well, he shared with us a letter that his daughter Anna gave him just a few months ago, literally right before she walked down the aisle to be married and he escorted her to the front. And in this letter, I couldn't read it to you because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get through it. But basically she said, Dad, I've been able to see through the years how faithful you were to pursue our hearts. And it has shown me how much you love me. Thank you for that example. Thank you for standing with me at my marriage. Thank you for showing me what it takes to be faithful in what I'm about to do. Thank you for your example. That's why we do it. That's why we have to stay connected with each other. David would be the first to tell you he would have quit a long time ago if people weren't coming alongside him and saying, David, you've got to stay in this. You've got to stay engaged. Trust the Lord. And we didn't know if it would ever work out okay, but it did. See, we're standing together as brothers and sisters in Christ to fight for our marriages, to fight for our marriages, to fight for our marriages, to fight for our families, and to fight to stand strong in our faith. Terry would tell you that what I just did a few days ago is the most, most important two days of my year of being able to commit this time with these men. This year was no exception, with God working deeply inside my heart. And I recognized that there was already things that he was doing leading up to that time. One of the things that I've told you, and it's true, I chose 2 Timothy because I believe it's a letter to the next generation. I believe Paul is writing to Timothy as the next generation to be faithful, to continue that legacy of faith moving forward. I believe it's a message to us. What I didn't understand and didn't fully appreciate until I was preparing messages every week, that this was for me. I feel like Timothy, I mean, Paul is writing this letter to me. I feel like Timothy. So last night, after getting home, sat down with my family. And we spoke about the challenges that we are all facing. They're different. You know, some big, some not so big, but they're all important. And we walked through each person and said, man, you're struggling here. And you're struggling here. And I'm struggling here. And your mom, she's struggling here. And this is hard. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we can't quit. We've got to stay engaged. God has equipped us to engage. We need to stand strong in our faith in Jesus Christ, and we need to stand strong together in order to do that. We kind of have a family motto. We do hard things when it's the right thing to do. We do hard things when it's the right thing to do. You see, much like the Marines, <laughs> we need to live a life with a deep sense of mission. We need to be diligent and devoted, always faithful, we need to be prepared for the battle. We need to fight for our marriages. We need to fight for our families. We need to fight to stand strong in our faith, unwilling to compromise and be entangled in the ways of the world. So as a church, let me encourage you. Be faithful in discipleship, even when it's messy and inconvenient. 
refuse to get so comfortable in your own circles that you don't have room to invite someone else in. See, that's the purpose of the church. The equipping of saints for the work of ministry. That's discipleship. That's what we do. That's why we're here. And everything we do on a morning like this is to train us and equip us for that purpose. So be faithful in discipleship. But also be faithful in suffering because it's not going to be easy. Remember, it's the presence of suffering that shouldn't be questioned. It's the absence of it. There's a promise in Scripture that this is going to be hard. It'll take discipline to live faithfully for Christ in a sin-cursed world. In this world, you will have trouble. But you'll remember, he goes on to speak to that, right? He says, but fear not, for I've overcome the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And just like I told Maggie, if you will stay faithful to him as he is leading the way, even when it doesn't seem like it makes sense, you're going to be okay. Even when you go into hard places. Be faithful in devotion every day. Simplify. Always faithful. You're always in active duty. You're never off. And no matter what setting you may be in, be faithful to Jesus Christ. As we finish up, I want to show you just a quick little video. But as you're listening to this, let me ask you to do something, and please listen carefully to this. I think all of us have the temptation when we hit hard things to withdraw. That was the conviction that I had going into my time this week with my, my brothers in Christ. And it was confirmed that there are areas in my life where I have withdrawn. And I needed to be bold and stand up and engage to step into hard things because it's the right thing to do. And I don't think that's unique to me. I bet every single one of us this morning could look at areas in our life, friendships, maybe places in our marriage, places in ministry that we have withdrawn and we need to engage. We need to stand strong. We need to invite people alongside us so that we don't quit. I think it's true for all of us. So as you're listening to this this morning, would you consider what that looks like for you? And maybe even before you leave, you make a commitment to engage in that area where you've withdrawn. So, Taz. Every, every, every day, he calls me to be his disciple. He has called me to follow him. A disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. To live by his word. To live out his word. To be so grounded in his word that I am not shaken when troubles arrive or challenges come. I am instructed to pass on his word to the next generation, to those yet need to hear. He challenges me to pray continuously without ceasing to develop an intimate relationship with him. One that is marked by continual prayer. I must be generous with all that I have. And in everything I do. Understanding this life is not about me, but about him. So many yet need to know his love, his power, his forgiveness, his saving grace. I must be about sharing life and sharing faith at every given opportunity. I must seek to not only be a disciple, but to make disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. To live a life of faith, unwavering faith, every, every day, in every way. Okay, what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. That was supposed to have people on it. 
But here's the good part. You can picture yourself. That's your story. Okay, so it was your face up on the screen. You're the one that needs to be saying those things as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. This is what we're called to every day. Be a soldier. Be strong. Be committed to your mission. Be faithful in all ways, every day. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for the message of your word and how it speaks to our heart. I'm thankful for the conviction that you've brought to my own life. Ways in which I have withdrawn and I need to engage for the sake of the gospel. Not because I have the strength to overcome, but because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, and you have overcome. It's your story. Father, I pray that for every one of us, as we look at areas of our life where maybe we've withdrawn, that we would make a commitment this morning to engage, to passionately pursue being faithful for Christ in a sin-cursed world. That we wouldn't look for the easy way because that's not a part of the promise. The easy way is a way of compromise. But in fact, we will embrace suffering whenever it is because we're doing what's right in your eyes. We, as a church, we do hard things when it's the right thing to do. So help us to be faithful. Always faithful. Amen. Have a great day.